You're listening to Thinking Within the Church with Andrew Ray Williams. Welcome to Season 2, Episode 3 of Thinking Within the Church. My name's Andrew. So good to have you joining us for Episode 3. And if you've listened to this season so far, you know that we've been talking with Dr. Joel Lawrence, who is the Executive Director of the Center for Bachelor Theologians, about Diedrich Bonhoeffer, which is fitting considering Joel did his PhD thesis on Diedrich Bonhoeffer at the University of Cambridge. So he's an expert, but he's also a pastor, a practitioner, and uh, just all around great person, great thinker, and he's provided some really helpful insights into Bonhoeffer's thoughts and how we as the 21st century church might think with Bonhoeffer about these various subjects that come a result of living in community with others and with God. In today's episode, we talk about loneliness. We talk about distractions that come up when we seek to be still before God. We talk about letting go of control when it comes to our time with God and when it comes to our spiritualities. Talk about intercessory prayer, meditation, all sorts of things that Diedrich Bonhoeffer is leading us into as a result of walking through his book, Life Together, and Joel is our faithful guide. So excited to share this episode with you, but let's go ahead and jump right into it and get into the conversation with Dr. Joel Lawrence. Well, Joel, thank you so much for joining us on um, this third episode. We're walking through Diedrich Bonhoeffer's book, Life Together. It's so good to to be able to, to have this conversation. Yeah, happy to be back. Awesome. Well, we're will you tell us a little bit about um uh this this third chapter we're we're talking about, which is the day alone. And uh yeah, just get us get us right into this conversation. Yeah, so obviously it falls up uh follows up on the last chapter, what we talked about in our last episode, which was the day together. And and Bonhoeffer's kind of in these chapters framing up what a, a day of a community could look like right so again a reminder he's living with these seminarians in um Finkenwalde they're living in a house together so they are literally doing life together so they're waking up in the morning going through their day going uh, to bed at night and so he's kind of laying out the framework of of what a a day in Christian community could look like, and um, as we saw in the last episode, he starts with the day together, the worship service of of the community first thing in the morning, uh, and then and then a, a, a service first or right at the end of the day that would frame the day, uh, and so he's very keen on encouraging. Christians to recognize that our our being in community is vital to our identity. It's central to who we are. And so we start our day and we end our day in that community. And then he transitions from that into the day alone and and speaking about the role of silence in our in our faith, uh, the role of kind of meditative prayer. And he'll we'll talk about that in a little bit, what he means by that and kind of what the purpose of that is. But he he begins it with a couple of statements that um, a lot of people pull out of life together and and reflect on. And what, what he says is he, he makes two statements. One is, whoever cannot be alone 
should beware of community. And then the second is whoever cannot stand being in community should be aware of being alone. So he's he's setting up this idea of what it means for us to be alone by putting it in its relation to being in community, uh, that these are are always in interaction with one another, right? My my being alone is a part of being in the community. My my being in the community is a part of being alone. And and he's he's wanting to, I think, encourage us to think about the the purpose of our of our being alone. And one of his concerns is that if we can't be alone, then there's something going on within us that is probably going to be unhealthy for the community. Like if, if, if we can't be alone, it's, it's usually because we're, we're afraid of being alone. We're maybe we're afraid of ourselves. We're afraid of confronting some of the thoughts that might come to us or some of the memories that might come to us. Things that are, are are important for us to reckon with. And if we're not able to be in that place where we can sit and we can be alone and, and, and to be alone actually is not to be alone. It's to be in the presence of God. That's ultimately the, the purpose of it. So if we can't be alone, if we have to always be having inputs, if we can't sit in silence, then it's, usually because we're trying to avoid something about ourselves or we're trying to avoid God in some way or another. And if we're working to avoid ourselves or to, or to avoid God, then we're not going to be healthy contributors to the community, right? So he's, he's wanting to be very clear about what it is to be alone, what it is to be in silence and if we can't do that, then there's something that is dangerous about our being in the community. And then he says the opposite is true. Whoever can't stand being in community should be aware of being alone. Like if, if we don't want to be with people, we just kind of want to hole up and be with ourselves or be alone. I think what he would be pushing at here is that's that's probably not the the real kind of healthy being alone that is to water the christian community that that again tends to be something that we are avoiding or there's something within us that we don't want to be with other people cuz maybe we're afraid of what that might expose we might be exposed or you know whatever it might be he doesn't dig into the underlying things but he's just pointing at this reality that our life ought to constantly be a going back and forth between community and alone, community and alone. And if we can't do that, then there's there's uh, a kind of a red flag that there might be something going on within us that isn't allowing us to be participants in the community and isn't allowing us to be um, those who can be healthy in serving the community. Yeah, that that's really helpful, Joel. And you know, as as you were talking, I was thinking about the ways in which we kind of have blurred these lines between being alone and being in community in today and you know, in our digital world. You know, it's it's yeah, 
it seems yeah. like we can almost trick ourselves into thinking that we are in community, right? When right. we are alone, right? Uh, because of our devices. Yeah. And, um, you know, I, I think about just even myself and I think, I, I imagine maybe some people can resonate this. It's, it's easy for me to, even in my aloneness, not really be alone <clears throat> because when I'm in the car, I listen to a podcast like this or, right. uh, you know, listen to the radio or, or, or whatever, um, you know, diddling on my phone. And um, I think it would be interesting to, to see what Bonhoeffer might have to say about the ways that we kind of askew loneliness yeah, and the way that might impact the way we even see and vision and participate in the Christian community. Yeah, I, th I think it would be really interesting um, what his thoughts would be in the in the digital world, because I, I think that's that's right. And one thing real quick, and then we can dive into that. Um, I, I don't think Bonhoeffer is saying that we shouldn't be, you know, we have kind of introverted tendencies or extroverted tendencies. I, I don't think he's saying anything about kind of those states, but he's saying it, at some point you have to be careful about it if those I'm more of an introvert. So kind of my introverted tendencies are to are to be alone. Um, but at some point, those kind of personality traits can become maybe excuses for hiding things about ourselves. And now then to your point about, you know, I mean, the digital world has given us so many opportunities now to hide ourselves, right? I mean, I think this is one of the the ironies of kind of the idea that it's a public space. I, you know, this is what, what Twitter has always talked about itself is it's kind of the place for public conversation. It's a shared space. And um, when in fact, I think what, what in, in reality actually happens is the opposite of that. We can hide ourselves. We can present the self that we want. And to your point, um, we're very rarely in the place where, where it's truly quiet um, you know, we, we have to make choices these days to put ourselves in positions where it's truly quiet. Um, and that, that call from Bonhoeffer for us to be silent is not about, as I said a minute ago, it's not about being just kind of alone with our own thoughts. It's about being in the presence of God. It's about being under the word. This is something that he is stressing in this chapter is that to be alone is to go to put ourselves under the word of God. And so I think that the danger here is just how noisy our silence can be, right? Which is, which is your point. And I think it's a, a really good point. And one in our day and age, you know, a hundred years later from this book is, is even more acute. Um, because not only do we bring the inner life with us that can be pretty noisy, but we're bringing these external inputs into our lives that can be literally noisy. Even as we're sitting in a room alone or a car alone, there's noise. And, and the danger of that for Bonhoeffer is, I think this is where it kind of gets heightened, is this space in our day to be alone is to be the time of listening to the word of God. That's the point of being alone. The point of being alone is to 
sit under the word of God. And so he, he talks about in this chapter that if, you know, in the in the time together, in the day together, he talked about reading long chunks of scripture in that worship service. Here, he says, sometimes it may just be one verse that we are alone with for a week, right? It might be one word that we're reflecting on during our day alone. And it's the, if you, you know, the, the kind of width of the day together, the depth of the day alone is really where we are listening for what God is saying to us. And he's, and he's really stressing that, that this is about God talking to us personally engaged in personal fellowship with us. And so if we're not able to do that time alone, or even if we do that and we have our Bible open, but it's kind of us bringing our thoughts to it, we're not properly orienting ourselves under the word. Mm -hmm. So I think that that kind of what is the purpose of this being alone? It's not just let's clear our minds. Let's get ready for the day. It's not, um, uh, you know, kind of gathering my own thoughts. It's being in the presence of God, sitting under the word of God. And if we're not able to do that, then we're not being engaged in the kind of personal encounter with God that is essential to our life as followers of Jesus and is essential to the community. So Joel, Diedrich Bonhoeffer is not calling us to download the the next uh, greatest mindfulness app is what you're saying. He is not. No, no, that is that is not what we should draw out of this chapter. <laughs> that's helpful. Yeah. Well, yeah, I think that this yeah. this was that's really helpful because, um, and, and you know, one thing that I think is is really interesting is you know you talk about this whole um, the way that our day alone influences even the way that we interact with community. Because I yeah. think that I think that, you know, as I was reading this, um, just again, in preparation of this conversation, I was struck with how this chapter probably more than any chapter, if you don't come from the kind of Lutheran background that that mm. Bonhoeffer is, this this makes pretty sense, much a lot of sense, uh, much of the statements he makes um, just to your your typical evangelical Christian. Right. Because yeah. we've always kind of stressed um, that you should have time alone with God. Yeah. Right. And mostly that what that means is centered around scripture reading. Um, but, you know, Bonhoeffer is also making some moves here that even challenges us to begin to to re-envision what that time could be. And one yeah, of them is, is sitting yeah. under the word. Right. But yeah. there's also yeah. other elements here. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. So uh, let me just comment real quick on that, on that sitting under the word, and then we'll kind of talk through how he shapes or views the shape of this time alone. Yeah. I, I think one of the, I, I agree, you know, evangelical Christianity, we have this kind of idea of the quiet time, right? That's a time of, of, of quiet. And like you said, that is typically sitting with the word of God, reading the scriptures. I, I think one of the, the, potential dangers of that, um, or at least something that Bonhoeffer would probably want to, to press us on is which really which direction 
is that time in the word going is that me uh, kind of orienting myself to the word reading the scriptures reading a certain section that's assigned for the day thinking kind of of a thought that comes out of that for myself or something that I want to be inspired by or or genuinely truly are we envisioning what's happening in that moment in that quiet as yes we're opening up the word but but what we're really doing is putting ourselves in this silence, which he says the silence of the Christian is a listening silence. It's a humble stillness, he calls it. And so one of the one of the dangers might be that our even our devotional reading of scripture is an activity of of our initiation, where in fact what 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 Bonhoeffer wants to encourage us toward is this silence under the word of God, this stillness where we're being addressed by the living God, not just reading the Bible, right? And you, the Bible is the means through which God addresses us, but we can come to the Bible, I fear, and maybe this is just me uh, who, do, who do this, but I, I definitely can come to the Bible more as a project uh, and, you know, kind of more as a um, something that that I, I need to read through X chapter for my plan or whatever it might be in order to have my quiet time. But, but maybe in doing that, I've, I've interacted with the text, but I've not heard from God. I've not really encountered God. So yeah. I, I just think I that's a piece I, that I, I, I don't think yeah. that you're wrong on that at all. I don't think that's just you. Like I, I know yeah. for myself and I, I think probably a lot of us, and I think just to echo what you're saying and kind of underscore it, you know, oftentimes that time can be, you know, having a spiritual checkbox, but it also can be um, a time where we set the agenda, right? Where yes. we're, we are, you know, I, we say like, what did you get out of it? Right? right. Like, oh, I got out of it this rather than right. kind of just coming and realizing that this is more of a, a relational lens, I guess. Yeah. Sending, yeah where it's just allowing God to begin to set the agenda. And maybe there's yeah. nothing specific that we can point to like as a, Oh, God did this, but it's just being yeah, with God. Right. Yeah. And he makes, he makes that, that point. Like he doesn't use the word, what, you know, the language get out of it, but basically he said, sometimes you're going to get nothing out of it in the sense of like, oh, I've, I've got this, I had this kind of vibe or I had this, this thought that really struck me. Sometimes you may just not have any kind of that, uh, that emotional reaction or even a sense of a spiritual connection. But what you, you have done is you've humbled yourself under the word of the Lord and you don't have control over that. You don't have control over the word of God. And so sometimes you may really experience a deep connection with God. Sometimes you may not. And he's, you know, he wants us to be careful about kind of all the potential introspection that we might do. Okay, well, what, why, what, why didn't I have a good vibe this morning? Was it me? What, what, you know, what do I, what do I need to fix in order to make it more alive for me or, or in order to get something out of it? I mean, he wants us to set aside all of that. And just kind of rest into, I am in the presence of God. 
I don't have control. I don't set the agenda. I just sit in this listening, humble silence. And sometimes I'll have a deep sense of I'm in the presence of God. Other times I won't, but I am putting myself under the, under the, the service of the word. And that's, that's the right place for us to be. So it's good. It's good. So yeah, he so he talks about this the kind of structure. It's a threefold structure of what we are to do in this time of silence. The first we've already talked a fair bit about the consideration of scripture. Um, right. This this idea that we take a brief text, we we select that text, we we read it, um, and and we are his his encouragement there is to think about this time as a time where God is addressing me. He is talking to me and envisioning ourselves in that place and waiting upon the word of God. And then he goes into uh, what we do in our prayer and it's a prayer for ourselves and then a, a prayer for our community or intercessory prayer as he calls it. So, the, the prayer for ourselves is is just a time where we are bringing our, our burdens to God, right? After we have had this time reflecting on the scripture, prayer is always a response to God's initiating address, to God's initiating word, right? Prayer is us having heard from God, then responding to God with gratitude, with thanksgiving, with personal prayer and and bringing our own burdens to him is is very important of course in this bringing the desires of our heart to him uh not trying to manipulate god through prayer into giving us what we want but but genuinely bringing ourselves to him and entrusting ourselves uh into his care so there is a a an important part of this movement from we have sat under the word of God. Uh, we have tried not to control it. We have tried not to set the agenda. We have we have pondered, reflected upon a passage or a word. And then the right response to that is personal prayer. We we pray for ourselves. We pray out of our, he talks about out of this the discovery of our inner poverty. Right, our need and our lack, we pray out of that discovery of our inner poverty led to that praying always by scripture. So he would want our prayers consistently to be prayers, not just praying the prayers of scripture, but but making sure that scripture is really shaping the way that we pray and the expectations of our prayer. So that's the 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 second part is the the personal prayer and then the the third part is the intercessory prayer. And and he says when we come to intercessory prayer he said we've advanced to the point at which we hear the heartbeat of all Christian life together. So for him when you're talking about what's the kind of fountain of life together um it's intercessory prayer. You can't have Christian community 
without having intercessory prayer, without praying for each other. And, and the reason for that is he doesn't quite put it in these words, but this is the way that I, that I think of it. You're not genuinely in a Christ filled, loving community until you can't help but pray for each other, you know, bringing each other to God, that deep inner life that you're sharing together, which isn't our own lives. As we go back to the first chapter, it's Christ is with us. That's the foundation of our life, not our own initiative, not our own voluntary coming together with one another. What is at the heart of our life is the life of Christ. And so what intercessory prayer really is, is Christ praying in and for his community through us. So we are at the vital beating heart of life together because intercessory prayer is the sign that the life of Jesus really is at the heart of what we're about as a community, where it's no longer our wills that are driving the community, but it's the will of Christ. And he now has bonded us to one another in such a way that he prays through us for each other, for the community. Ah, uh, yeah, that's, that's really good. That's a good explanation and just good reflection on, on prayer in general, because, um, it's, it's quite a challenge. I, I think that this is not typically the way that at least I have, uh, thought about prayer. And mm. I think it's a good way to begin to bring us back to thinking about how prayer really is about, about God more than it is about us. It's about us entering yeah. into what God is doing and desires to do in and through us as individuals, but part of his body, his community. Yeah. And uh, he even kind of says something that I underlined that I'd love for you to just kind of reflect on um, yeah. and help unpack for us. You know, he says that individuals must be aware that even their hours of being alone in prayer mm -hmm reverberate through the community. What do you think he means by this? Yeah, I, I I think it's a it's a beautiful description of the body of of Christ, right? That we are not just individuals who who come together for a period of, of time you know, in a worship service or in a, at a Wednesday night church gathering or whatever it might be, there is something far more fundamental about being the church than just individuals who come together and, and hang out at certain periods of the week. There's a new community that we belong to. And as members of that community, right, using Paul's idea of we are all members of Christ, and if one of the members is sick, then that affects the whole body. That is also, I think, what what is being described here by by Bonhoeffer is is we when when we pray alone, the effects of that prayer are not merely ours. They're not merely for us. the The goal of prayer is not that I get 
the thing that I'm asking God for, or even that I get comforted by God in the midst of my my sorrows. It's that our prayers are uniting us as the church. It's the primary mechanism by which we live out being the body of Christ. And so we need our our spirits oriented in such a way that we understand that that even when I'm praying alone in my time together, the impact of that, whether I'm praying for someone in the church or not, whether I'm you know praying for this particular person, it may not be that my prayer is effective in the way that that you know immediately we see the result for this particular person that I'm praying for. But the very fact that I'm praying is building up the body of Christ. The very fact that I'm engaged with Jesus and sitting under the word, that is having an, an effect within the broader church, with the, within my broader church community. Yeah, that's that's right. That's exactly right. And I think such a good, good way of framing prayer within um this, like you said, this kind of this movement that he's talking about between being alone with God, sitting under yeah. the word, but then at the same time, how that connects us to community and how the community then releases us into a life with God. One of the things that he talks about there is when we are praying for others, it becomes far more difficult to not like others or it becomes far more difficult to be in a broken relationship with another, right? That one of the reasons why intercessory prayer is so important to the life of the church is one, just theologically, again, what it, what it causes us to realize these are my brothers and sisters. I'm bonded to them. We belong to one another in Christ. But, but two, he, he talks about when I am praying for another, I see them now differently. Maybe it's someone that's hurt me. Maybe it's someone that's, that's against me in the community. But when I pray for them, now I have to see them in the position that they truly are in, which is as those who are pardoned sinners who themselves need the grace of God. And that starts to kind of reframe the way that we think about, about each other. And I, I think that's a, a very important and insightful point. Um, because we all know that there is challenge within the church, right? There are personality challenges. There are different visions of what this program ought to do or that program ought to do. There are there are things that arise in the life of the church that cause friction and that cause tension. And to, to pray for another person, I mean, earnestly pray, not, not pray, God, would you deal with them? Or God, would you remove them from my life? Or would you change their mind and let them see it like they ought to see it, which is how I see it. But but earnestly to pray for them is to see them in the light of the cross. But then also it's to see ourselves in the light of the cross. Because I think as we as we pray, 
we see that we are all together in this position of being under the cross. And what what inevitably then I, I think Bonhoeffer says will start to form in us is the mercy of God that that has brought us under the cross, brought us into this place of salvation, of for of forgiveness from God. So as we see ourselves under the cross and we see our neighbor under the cross, then mercy and grace start to filter into our souls in ways that, again, the building up of the body of Christ, if we're all praying for each other and we're all experiencing this mercy and our grace and grace ourselves, then it's more naturally going to be building up the body. It's going to be that nutrient that we need to build up the body. So I think his stress on intercessory prayer is, is really important. He, he goes into how vital it is for pastors to, to be deeply committed, disciplined, structured in our intercessory prayer. It's important for everybody, but, but especially for pastors to be deeply engaged in intercessory prayer, because again, this, this idea that there's a, there's a fountain that waters the roots of the body of Christ, that waters the the church, that is going to bring us health, and that that fountain for him is intercessory prayer. That is really insightful, because I think that you know, with if you think about Christ's commands to you know love your neighbor as yourself, or to yeah. even love your enemies, oftentimes we need practices to actually reinforce and develop that within us right. that is right. being used by Jesus to do those things, right? Is ultimately right. God's work in us. But yeah. oftentimes God seems to use practices to begin to form that in us. And it does seem that this is a, a really wise practice to actually pray for people because yeah. through that, God begins to change our hearts. And uh, I love that. Joel, anything else that you think is just really significant that you'd have us chew on as we kind of land this plane on this third chapter about the day alone? Yeah, I I, I think that the last little little bit is, you know, he, he talks about where we're going to go out into the day, right? We talked about that last week from the day together, we're going to go out into the day and here from the day alone, we're going to go out into the day. He says you're going to be many hours out in a, an unchristian environment, right? Not not the environment of the the community, but out beyond the life of the community, and and he reflects there on the fact that the efficacy of our prayer of our prayer alone is really tested in that time out in the community. He makes that point in both of these chapters, but but in this one in particular. He talks about if we go out into the day built up by the word of God, then we will be able to to stand the tests that come during that time. If not, um, then it will show that our prayer is, he talks about it, uh, a few short moments of, of a spiritual ecstasy that vanishes when everyday life returns. Right. And so, again, he's not I think that is helpful summary of what he's talking about here. Our life alone, our prayer time alone is not about spiritual ecstasy. It's about being built up by the word of God. And if we're looking for 
particular kinds of experiences and trying to to manufacture those kinds of experiences, then what ends up happening to danger is we just kind of go from one spiritual ecstasy to the next spiritual ecstasy without truly being built up by the word of God. So I think that's an, an important word for us. He's not against spiritual experiences. He's not against experiencing the, the presence of God in very powerful ways. But again, it gets back to something. This is the theme that runs through this whole book, which is this is God's work. This is not a human-centered spirituality that we're talking about where where we we initiate, we set the agenda, we manufacture what we want out of it. This is God's word that is at work in us. And so to truly hear that word is to be built up in that word. And the test for that is what happens in our life out in the unchristian world. And if we're living off of spiritual ecstasy for, to spiritual ecstasy, that is not ultimately going to be what delivers us into the form of Christ that we are called to take in the community and, and in the world. So I think the theme that just keeps coming through here is God is the one who is at work in the Christian community to build it up. It's not our project. It's his project. Yes, that's so that's so good. And that's such a good place to end because I think that it it reminds us that ultimately our spiritual our spiritual lives are not our own making. That it really yes. is about a continual coming to sitting under the word, to sitting under Jesus. And it's Jesus's work that is ultimately producing it. And it's the kind of work that really does manifest itself in concrete daily, even mundane, ordinary yeah. kind of life. And that is most of our life, even though I'm sure I know for me, I'm not sure about you, Joel, but I would assume we've had great experiences with God that are yeah. really life altering, changing. But if we look, if I look back at my trajectory as a Christian, it's, it's often the valleys of yeah. the mundane, ordinary, grinding it out where God is doing the most work. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's I right. Think, and yeah, I think it's one of the great, great insights of the, of the, the Christian tradition has been exactly that, that God does his work. He does some, some significant things in significant moments, but the tendency of God is to do the slow, patient, kind work that is his initiative that we don't control that isn't flashy but that is forming christ in us yeah that's good well thank you joel this is super helpful always love talking to you and uh, look forward to next week so thanks again joel. forward to it thanks for listening to this episode of thinking within the church really means a lot. If you also don't mind to rate and review the show, that really does help get the word out. You can review it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or whatever podcast platform of your choice. Thanks again, and hope to catch you next episode.